everybody. Welcome to the Colour Not On Tour podcast. My name is Warren Eagles. I'm based in Brisbane, Australia. And I'm going to be talking to colourists around the world about what it's like to colour correct and live in their town. Ready to have some fun? If you look inside it, you can see every possible colour. Welcome to the Colour Tour podcast. We are back in 2021. Have you guys uh, started the year well and there's plenty of uh, work rolling in? It's really busy in a, here in Australia. There's a lot going on because we're sort of perceived a safe place to shoot, which is, which is good. So uh, I'm really pleased to have a Peruvian colorist in the house tonight, Gino Amadori. So Gino and I have met in New York City about 2013 he came on one of my training classes there we've kept in touch ever since and he's sending me reels and stuff and talking about what he's doing so it's real pleasure to welcome him onto the color tour hey gino how are you buddy hi warren how have you been thank you for having me in the on the show i really i really enjoy it always well, that's good and in true color tour tradition we have a cold drink well, now you have a Stella. Now, I don't think that's from Peru, is it? No, it's not. It's not. This is what I have in the fridge, really. Do you have good beer there? Do you have good beer in Peru? Yeah, well, there's one that's called Cusqueña, which is pretty famous here, and I've seen it abroad as well. And uh, that's the one I, I, I like drinking, or Pilsen as well. There's well, some artisanal, artisanal ones here that are also good. Good. Now, before anyone comments, this is 0.5%, which is near as you can get to alcohol-free beer. Now, people are going to go, wow, that's a bit of a change for Warren. <laughs> I, have I have been, yeah. Oh, very nice. That's it. Lots of them here in Australia. There's lots of them around. So I've not had a drink for six weeks, so... Look, everyone would be saying, uh, if this wasn't, this was pictures, everyone would be saying how slim I look. Anyway, right, let's get to it. Let's talk about some colour. So and if, if there'll be a bit of video here and we will talk about people's room setup. So uh, if you see in the trailer, you'll see Gino's setting. So I want to tell me a bit about Peru. You know, what's it like? It's on the, it's on the West Coast, isn't it? It's like a tall, thin country. Uh, how many million people have you got there? We're, uh, I'm not sure exactly how many people we're here at the moment, but it's around, I'm not, I can't really tell really, but it's, uh, it's a big country. It's north of Chile yeah. and uh, right under Colombia, Ecuador. Over on the left-hand side, if you're looking at the map there. Yeah. And yeah, you, sure. you got like good coastal beaches and things there as well, haven't you? You've got that, got yeah, that well, west coast. I we're in the capital. We're one of the few capitals that's on the actual coast as well. So we have the sea, like 20 minutes away from here, I'm, I'm, I'm in the sea. And you're in the capital, Lima, yeah? Yeah, I'm in the capital, Lima. So just let's talk about the, the scene there. Is it a big commercials or docos or feature film market there? What, what, do, you, what do you do mainly? I really do a bit of everything. I do lots of commercial work for, for big companies here and uh, 
like brands as well. Then I also do uh, lots of documentary, which is how I really started off editing documentaries. Now I do color grading for documentaries for Discovery Channel or for BBC, uh, Al Jazeera. And then I'm also doing some movies, some feature films. So I'm really, I, I enjoy to have a bit of, of each because sometimes commercials go low, but then there's always a, like um, documentary or there's film or so there's always something to work on and yeah. I enjoy. You're a right. bit like me, but if you look at it, even your your so-called topper end colorists, if they they tend to be diversifying more, like they're doing some commercials, but then they're doing features and they might do a feature doc. So that's a good thing. Well, for me, I always kept it interesting, you know, different genres, different clients. It's great. So, so let's go right back to the beginning then. Uh, how did you get started? You from Lima originally or were you from the suburbs somewhere? No, I'm from Lima, born in Lima, in Miraflores, um, where I've been most of my professional life working at. And uh, I started off I really did not study the career. I studied something else, like hotel management. So it was nothing to do with it. And oh. I then discovered through my computer that I enjoyed uh, cutting video and doing stuff like that. So I got into editing. And uh, I got into editing uh, documentaries and some news pieces for Channel 4 and Al Jazeera. But I, I didn't have much experience, so I really had to lie my way into it because I was eating like my uh, my cousin's birthdays and stuff like that. So I, I couldn't say that. So I just had to say, yeah, I did a bit of corporate and stuff like that, but, but a bit artistic, <laughs> something like that. And they say, yeah, okay, but do you speak English? And I go like, yeah, I speak English pretty well. So it's okay, that's all we need. So you can start off. And I started eating... Uh, a documentary on how they made cocaine in the jungle. So that was my first thing I ate coming off from my cousin's birthdays. So that's how I started off with these uh, mini DV cameras and uh, HDV, stuff like that, really. But final, cut, se final Cut 7, I bet. Final Cut 5 or oh, something yeah. like that. Yeah, it was, was way back. And uh, I learned it myself as well because no one really taught it well here. And then I went to London and got certified on Final Cut 7, uh, uh, grade one and grade two. And I got really into it. And then I, there was this course on color. And I was like, I was like interested. And I was like, That's, that looks interesting. But I didn't really get into it there. But when I came back, I started applying that to documentaries. And I started enjoying it a lot. So I started using color as, as a color grading software back then. And I was really enjoying it. Yeah. It was a bit painful sometimes, but yeah. And then, and then you went to New York and you took this class from this uh, like exactly. Tommy Aussie yes. sort of guy that told lots of funny yeah. stories and took you out for exactly. beer. Exactly. I said, ah, this guy looks like a nice guy. I'm going to take a course with him. <laughs> no, that was a fun. I, I, that was a fun week. Yeah, it was a fun week. I went for all three courses. I was there for a while. It was like yeah. two weeks. Yeah, and then good. I took an avid course as well. 
That's right. So yeah. it was fun. It was fun. Back in 8.6, I think it was. Yeah, it would have been. So you've obviously gone from there, and it seems like you've carried on your colour correction journey. So is colour the most that you do now, or do you still step back and do some editing, or what do you do? Yeah, I've done I still edit documentaries, basically. I do commercials as well. And now I'm getting a bit into fusion as well. So I'm I, I like to be able to like fix stuff at the moment and have a workflow that permits my color to come through as pure as I can get it. You know, It doesn't have to go to other places. I do it there. Yeah. I'm also using the collaborative workflow in, in DaVinci, which is uh, pretty neat for me. So I did a commercial like two weeks ago and I had my assistant doing some fusion work while I was doing color. So I had it set up in a way where I had the two clips and then a composition on top, which contained the, the two clips, which were remote, right? Yeah. So when I changed the color on the bottom clip, it changed the background on the fusion composition right. and, uh, and the other way around too. So I could fix it there and didn't have to do any render or anything so it was pretty fast fast work for us really good good yeah. and where you were working remote with where no i had my friend was here collaborate so room. Cl two rooms next to each other collaborating on the same project now i find people yeah. don't use that as much as maybe they could maybe it needs yeah. to be improved do you you found it worked okay or yeah, I mean, you just have to know how to use it. It's better on, on version 17. On version 16, permissions were a bit clumsy. And yeah. it was hard. If one person was in one folder, and yeah. the sequence was on that folder, and he was the owner, or so-called owner, um, you couldn't do anything there. I couldn't move stuff, or it was a bit limited. Now you can free up the... the sequence yeah i think i think that's a lot better there's a quite there's some neat things in 17 we'll talk a bit about later from 8.6 remember you couldn't do i think more than four four windows or something like that it was crazy you had to do another node to make more windows <laughs> now it's like all the windows you want <laughs> so are you in your post facility now is it where you are yeah yeah so what's happened during covid did you have to shut down or could you work just without clients what's the story there i'm doing everything remotely like i'm this is my house really i've set oh, okay. all this up in the house so all right okay i was i was sharing an office with a with people that that do post-production here in peru like uh, uh they do Nuke and 3D and stuff like that. So we complemented our work very well. We still work together, but now I'm from, from my house and they work from their houses as well. And are you giving up your space now? Do you think you go back or is this like a new way, cheaper way of doing things? No, I, I think this is gonna take a while to, to get back to normal. And here's the situation, we're, we're in lockdown at the moment now. I mean, yeah. We're, yeah. Like, I, how many days? Five days of lockdown, or fifteen days safe. Yeah. Well, good luck. Hope that hope that works it out and sorts things out. So, 
I'm always in lockdown, so I don't, I'm, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Colorists, we say that, don't we, as color graders? Like, you, I've, been, I've been sitting in a dark room on my own for like 15 years. Gino, I'm here. I'm always here. I mean, yeah. Why no, would I leave? Like, I, know, I really enjoy <laughs> Nothing. Nothing's really changed that much for me, really. Yeah, uh, for me. Except I'm with my family, which I enjoy a lot. Well, that, that is the other good thing. I think that as colorists, we're appreciating the fact that, you know, in between sessions, when you're rendering sessions, you can pick things a bit more, you know, do stuff with the kids or the family and then they, they go to bed or wherever and you can crack on or you start early. Sometimes I start really early, like crazy five o'clock, get a good few hours yeah. in before you even see anybody. It's the best time for me as well. And it's like, before the sun rises, and then you take a break as yeah. the sun rises. Yeah. Nice to go out and take a break. You've break. got a bit of work done. You feel like you've cracked a bit of a movie. You've got maybe a reel done. I like that as well. Yeah. It's it's yeah. it's it's quite positive. I'm really productive in the morning as well, I think. So tell me about your, your room there. What have you got in your room? So we talked about Resolve. So we know you're a Resolve user. What else have yeah. you got in there? I'm really pushing the HDR, so yeah. I, I bought this Postium OBM X310, which yep. is uh, similar to the HX310 from Sony and the, the Canon and all those that come from the Panasonic Dual LCD. Yes. Yeah, so same same panel, yep. yeah. Yeah. Uh, just a different brand, different software, different settings. And I'll put the notes, I'll put the notes in the show notes because people are going to be interested. There's probably people listening, not even heard of Postium as a brand and then didn't even know they made an HDR monitor. Uh, how did you come across them? Where did you find them? I mean, I was looking at alternatives and uh, just checking out and, and a person from Postium United States contacted me and because I was contacting many people. And they gave me a really, really good deal, so I couldn't resist, and I just had to buy it. And, yeah, and it's worth saying that before that, you had the Zeus as well, didn't you? And that sort of got you started into it, didn't it? Using yeah. that, yeah. Can you see it? Yeah, this yeah, one is it. that. It's and uh, that's the one I got first, really, because I yes. had that, and I had a Sony um, A two forty F, I think. It's O no BVM A two forty F. Yeah. And um, that I had a fire in my house, so that burnt literally burnt. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. Starting quarantine like two months in. Yeah. There was a. Fire. I don't know how it started. They just lit, and I I came in the room and I saw a monitor on fire. And really? I was like wow. And I went in. I grabbed it, and I threw it out like a. Out the window. My heart broken like this. No, out to the laundry. <laughs> oh, space. Okay. Something that could burn. Yeah. And then my two Apple monitors were there as well. I had to throw one out and just oh. those two were. But yeah, it was, I, I burned my hands. I, but luckily, nothing else happened. Luckily. I learned how to call guns. Yeah. <laughs> and so, what, what do you need to get an HDR signal out of Resolve? What other bits of string have you got of converter boxes there? Well, what I really have is uh, I got a Mac Pro and yeah. I have a card that takes out the signal with yeah. uh, 
with the keys and, and everything that's needed for the, the, the monitor to, to get the feed. It's, it's different, for example, with those uh, OLED monitors because yeah. they, they need like a, a, the signal to have the metadata yes. to, to activate. With these monitors, it's like you have to activate it manually, really, yes. unless you have the automatic thing set. Yeah. But yeah, if you want to, I mean, I, I taught my friend as well how to, to get that uh, started with HDR. You just need a card that has the, the signal, the HDR signal, which is, you can even get the cheapest one, the $125. So it's like Blackmagic Ultra Studio Box would do that, won't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I think they all do now. And I mean, what's, what is that monitor up there? That's uh, LG. It's a B series. It's not the C series. Okay. Okay. And which one? What year? Is it a recent one? Eight or nine? No. I think it's the six. Oh, wow. Uh, no, it's quite it's, an old one. But it's, it's, it's hard to tell. It looks like it matches pretty well from here. You're sitting right in front of it. How do you... Yeah. yeah. But you don't have any clients with you, do you? So really are you, have you just got it for yourself just to look and go well how's it going to look there or really is that would you not have that on if you were doing an hdr job when i'm doing the job I'm, i don't have it on because it, the, the light that yeah. it emits it's a bit distracting for me even I, even though i have my walls painted mid-gray as mid-gray i can yeah. get it here in Peru. yeah, yeah. and uh, it still bothers me and so i just have this one on I try to keep those low and that's, that goes off. I use it if I want to see, if I'm doing Adobe analysis and I want to see the 600 signal version, for example, just to just for curiosity and testing, I check that out. But uh, I am to watch Netflix, really. <laughs> that's why I, I like that, Adobe version, yeah. Lots yeah. of shows in the yeah, I know. It's it's getting traction, more and more traction all the time, isn't it? And I, they, they, uh, and they revealed, a, I think they announced it, a colorist mixer just before Christmas that they're doing uh, easier to get certified. The individual can get certified for Dolby Vision. So not just the post house, because obviously a lot more people are running around now freelance and they're rolling out more of a virtual way to get certified as well and do training on different levels. So... I got the training already, so I'm I'm on my way really for it. I got the training for the Dolby Vision, and I was I talked to Tom from Dolby, yes. and yeah. uh, he said, "Yeah, if we can see that you were on the training, you just have to take the exam." So they're making it pretty easy if you know how to use it. They and, uh, they are very very approachable, and even from the freelancer, just just talk to them, and they really would really open up doors for anyone that's my experience for somebody to get certified and that's really cool so hdr in peru what what is the story there is that is the man or lady in the street going i need hdr i've heard of it what's no, 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 no the opposite you say hdr and they don't know what they're talking about you they say what hdr what no <laughs> They don't know what you're talking about, really. I, I like feel like I'm an, an, an alien or something like that, talking rubbish. So you have Netflix there, and you have the tame two-tier pay structure. You pay a bit more. You get the UHD, HDR version of it. Yeah, same as us. Yeah, of course. 
And of do course, many people, do you think many people are doing that, paying a bit more money and getting the HDR? Yeah, everyone, but they don't know they're, they're they don't know they're looking at HDR. Okay. That's the thing. Yeah, <laughs> they, they have these expensive TVs and top of the line TVs, but and they go, yeah, HDR. And they go like, what? Have you seen that thing that says Dolby Vision on the on the movies you watch? Yeah, yeah. yeah so your TV does have HDR. So okay, yeah. that's HDR. And then when you get them in line, they're like going, okay, but what's the difference? They, yeah. they don't notice a difference either. So then you have to start explaining and you say, look, look at this show. Do you see the highlights? Yeah. <laughs> Do you see the, the shadows? Yeah. yeah. And then I go uh, with a hundred, eight thousand nit thing. In a, in a way, Gino, it doesn't really matter. As long as they like what they're seeing, then that's good. I mean, the average person is not really going to know, but if they like it and they're looking at it, and that's a good thing. Um, but then they know that why do we need it? Well, so, that's uh, it. But then, but then when you need to then back take and show it and show the ordinary one, then a lot of time people go, oh, yeah, okay. But there's still a lot of settings and things you have to do. You can still play around with these domestic tellies, even with the Dolby Vision. So the, the, it's getting there. It's getting easier. And the, I think it's, uh, it's a, a big a big leap forward, but it's a slow leap. So back to my original question, are you doing this for overseas market for attracting like overseas shows that are requiring an HD deliverable? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get into the Netflix market really. And uh, I'm doing a show for Discovery Plus, which is this network for the discoveries pushing now uh, for, for streaming. So we're doing a show about this football team that fell in, um, I think there's a football team that fell. So we're making a reality, no, a documentary, a three, three piece documentary on it. Okay. And that's uh, HDR requirement deliverable? No, it, we're, we're offering it to them in HDR. So we are doing the top specs for them at the moment. No, they, their deliverables are a bit weird because they, they just ask for the for the HDR, no no metadata or anything. It's just a P3, a thousand nits. Okay, that's it. All right. Yeah. Now, in terms of the grading of HDR, when you sit down, uh, you've got say you've got three cameras all shooting in log. Are you working in color managed workflow? Yeah. And you've, you've done that for a while, whether it was HDR or not. And what what version are you using? You're in ASUS or you're in Resolve Color Managed? I started off in, in ASUS a bit uh, before I took Kevin's course in, in Colombia. Yeah. I went to the HDR course and I, I was really curious about ASUS and wanting to dig deeper, deeper into it. So... After that class, I started using it more. Um, but now I really like the the Black Magic one, the Da Vinci Color Management with a white gamut. It's I mean neons are something else. When you see a disco with neons and uh, you yes. use aces, yes, you have to use like um, you have to use the the ICT so, so that you have to yeah. um, LMTs, to, yeah. To, yeah. So, so it doesn't mess up the neons. With this, it just looks amazing. Uh, we're talking about V17 here, aren't we? Version 17, uh, new color yeah, management. Version, 
yeah, I I use version 17 since the beginning. There's some bugs I had to come come across and try to come over them, but it was like basically switch one node from one place to another, and things got fixed. And and so you're working like in the new intermediate wide gamma uh, timeline space, which you can then switch. Have you tried switching that up from SDR to HDR thousand nits and that? I have, and it's really nice. Yeah, I, it's really nice as well. Uh, the, the other thing I think they've worked really hard on is the transforms of the cameras as well. Like, yes, they're looking exactly. pretty good, you know. Especially with Sony. Yeah. Sony looks much, much better. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I wasn't using color management from DaVinci before. I was using Aces, so I, I can't compare it. But the, the white gamut that this gives you um, and how it manages cameras as well. I really like it. And well, the other thing I like about it as well, I, I think it's good and it's starting to recognize uh, certain ProReses, the metadata as well, so it knows what they are. Obviously, if it doesn't know from the metadata, you can switch that manually, but you can also switch it off. So if you're looking at a shot and you just don't like what the color management do, you switch that off for that one shot and just grade that the way that you've always graded it, same way. So I think they're definitely in the right direction. People I've talked to are quite liking it. And I would say to people, just, just try it. A lot of people go, well, I didn't shoot it in ASUS, or I never intended it to be, or color managed. doesn't matter what level you're working on. Just take a job, next, your next job, or one you've done before, and try it in color managed, and see where you're where the pros and cons are. So in terms of grading HDR, what do you do when you start? What things are you looking for when you go, right, this is an HDR job. I obviously want to make it different to the SDR. What, what are you doing? Are you keying certain things? Are you changing certain saturation values and making use of, uh, you know, your more, uh, obviously more dynamic range that you can play with, but color volume is important as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I like I like to take advantage of the, the the wide range that you have from shadow details and and highlights. So, for example, now I have this. Uh, there's a short film I'm working on, which is a project for from the students here in Peru. And there's a friend of mine that's involved, so he shot in red, and I've I've uh, assisted them to tell them how to set their monitor so they can use a lot so that they can watch it in HDR on a Shogun 7 yeah. monitor. So they've shot it like that. So now I'm trying to, I want to push the limits of the shadows because it's a horror movie, maybe play a lot with contrasts and highlights, you know, on specific yes. parts. Maybe put some masks and stuff like that so that we can make the, but I mean, I really like how lights look when everything's like a bit low, you know, the lights are really low under a hundred nits and then there's this bright light coming in and it's really brings the image to life. I think that's what I like so much. But, but you're not doing anything on commercials yet. Oh yeah. Same as here. Commercials still SDR. No, these are all commercials. These are all in HDR and these are all commercials I've done in the past. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to show directors and stuff like that. Look, this is what your commercial looks like in, HDR and stuff like that. So I'm testing all the footage I can get because I don't really get much things to do in HDR here in Peru. 
So, um, so really what you're doing with this reel we're looking at the back, you're just sort of building a show reel on stuff that you've already used. Are any of them letting you release an HDR version or not? I haven't talked to them, but yeah, I mean, they, they, they don't really appreciate it yet, I think, as, as, as I, I wish they would. But yeah, I mean, because, I've I tried, mean, but they don't. Yeah, I mean, it's a no-brack. Just on your social channels, your Vimeo, your YouTubes, or your website, if you go, well, I'm going to, you know, post the HDR version of the same grade, I suppose if they're happy with it, it's it's probably uh, a no-brainer for them, you'd think. Yeah, I mean, it, it can change a bit sometimes when you put it up on YouTube, when they watch the SDR version, though because they have their own conversions. But YouTube has uh, HDR, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, but it has HDR, but then it, it, you don't need any metadata. It, it does the, the, the mapping for you. Okay, all right, so you don't send any metadata to it, do you? You can send HDR 10 metadata. Okay, all right, yeah, I've not played with that so much myself with, with YouTube. You use Frame.io as well, don't you? Because you sent that Frame.io link to me of, yeah. of your reel. I like Frame.io a lot because it's, uh, it has the HDR. It only shows 8-bit HDR. No? Okay, it's, it's good for approvals. And it's good, yeah, it's good for approvals. That's why I like better than YouTube, at least. Yeah. For approval. Yeah, no, they're good, they're good people. They're doing some great, doing great stuff. And they're so, releasing something well, I think, soon. And we're really curious to see what it is. Yeah, I know they've got an announcement of they already had it forever. I missed it. So, uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe I missed it too. <laughs> well, maybe we did. No, we, were, we were so busy. We were working. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You've got a control service in there. You've got a panel. I can't quite see it. What panel do you use? Oh, yeah, you got I have the mini. The, the mini panel. Here's a mini panel. Got it. I have the black, the black magic editing keyboard as well. Yes. Because I do some editing, or my assistant sometimes does editing, so I hand it over to him, and he's learning how to use it. He's uh, he's been keen on using it, and now he bought the small one, which I'm, I'm wanting one as well to have next to my mini panel, I think, and then put this on the other, that's, on the other thing. Yeah, that's called the the new edit controller, isn't it? Yeah, the speed editor. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I've not used one yet. Yeah. Because I have the mini panel, uh, I don't have the, the switch to yeah. for the wipes. Yes. So this wheel here does it for you. Yeah, so that's a good idea. That's nice. Yeah, wheel. yeah. I have the I had the big paddle with all the new keycaps and uh, I know, I'm still I know. I'm still getting my head around it. It's like it's like learning a whole new panel, and you, and you just it's have muscle. to. Yeah, yeah. You use muscle memory. You have to hide the mouse away because there's a lot more right clicking that you do in Resolve. You can now use on the panel. Just find the buttons wherever they are. So it's definitely. I'd urge anyone if you've got one. Take the plunge, 700 US, I think they are, and it really will give your panel a bit more life, I think. 
Yeah, I'm wanting to get one of those big panels too. That's my next step, I think. What, what, so step. what else in version 17 are you enjoying? So you've, you've been on it pretty much when the beta came out, haven't you? Yes, from the beta one. I started I started off, I'm actually doing the movie in the in, in the 17, hoping it really? comes out before. It's not going to come out for a long time. So that's why I'm not worrying. Were you a bit worried when you jumped on beta one and started doing jobs or? Mm, I tested it before. Yeah. I did some tests before and I saw the limits. I didn't, the bugs that it had, but I said, yeah, I mean, I, I really like the HDR controls. So <laughs> I you, wanted to. You, you liking the new zones? Yeah, I really like the zones. I really like the zones and not only the zones, but also the, the, I don't remember the name, but the one that looks like a spider web. Yeah, well, cool. I'm nicknaming it Spider's Web. Everyone knows what you mean. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's amazing. But the square one, you know? Yeah. For being yeah. down the sky. Yes. Oh. The square. Yes. We call it a square spider's web, Gino. I think we just, we just worked that out. I know exactly square. what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's, that's a good tool. Uh, the, the magic mask is pretty amazing as well like incredibly hungry on your gpu but it's doing some clever stuff there yeah uh, i mean i've used it a few things and a lot of the time yeah you need to clean it up and spend a bit of time on it but hey for fast things man it just it's clever yeah it is very clever that the neural engine and there's a the one that makes it bigger as well two times three times bigger i mean that's really good yeah a friend and uh, told me he needed to to increase the size by three times of something, but it didn't look good. Mm. And I said, "Give it to me. I'll, I'll give it a go." And it I and mean, it surprised me. I was like, "Wow, that really looks good." So they've done some good stuff on seventeen. They have. There's uh, there's a lot of under the hood sort of stuff as well. Little things like render in place is a really nice one. I was never a fan of the caching. Because I found that whenever I cached anything, there was always an issue. I'd relink, it wouldn't relink, it would lose the caches. I just didn't like leaving it on. But uh, but I'll be be honest, I don't need to cache everything. But there'll always be a noise reduction shot, a shot where I've done a lot of work or blurs, and I need to cache it. Now I can just render that in place, and it's going to play real time. Cool. Exactly. And you don't lose it because and then like yeah. and do the render and it brings it back yeah it knows where it puts it you put it somewhere it's long it's gone same as the proxies if anyone's working in proxies yeah. go and have a look at the proxy workflow it's much improved it's better than whatever you had there before so that's that's an, that's enough of them a black magic loving uh, <laughs> but yeah no the guys have done good stuff hats off to them they've done some nice stuff in there for colorists but like anything yeah in editing as well, I'm trying to get editors to to move into Resolve as well, which makes things easier for me too, because you can just get that DRT file and you're set. Yeah, yeah, that's the new timeline file, isn't it? So yeah, you can now get a, a timeline off an editor, or if you're in a project and they've done a new cut, they can just send you the new timeline. It, it's moving that way. I still get all the questions. Why doesn't it not work with Adobe that well? Why does the XML, it should do this, should do that. They're never going to do that. It's always going to be a bit of a pain. 
And you've the, all I say to people, if you're doing that, and obviously a lot of people still love cutting in Avid, FCP or Premiere, just make a really small timeline, a simple one first. Put a few speed changes, put some sizes in there, put some titles in there, get to know what doesn't work, what does work, and just got to really make your own workflow up and then build it up with your projects. That don't take your 50-minute doco with all your video layers and your audio and your effects and go, well, I can't, I can't spin it into Resolve half. It doesn't work. You know, <laughs> that's it's a big ask for anything, any, any software to interpret with XMLs, even yeah. being compatible in both. So brings back memory, painful yeah. memories. Yeah, it does. Pray, <laughs> I know, I know. I'm almost, I'm almost going. Oh my god. So are you? Do you in, always encourage conforming or in remote? Is it easier for you to get a flattened baked like with your commercials? Or what, what's the situation there in, in Lima? I like, I like working in RAW a lot. I, if I can work in RAW, I'd rather work in RAW because I can fix any mistake that if it's been overexposed or it's been over contrasted or something like that, I'd rather balance it off in the RAW before and then I start working off Resolve. I have less notes and less everything at the end. Well. That obviously uh, needs a bit more of a hefty upload on your side or upload from your editor, probably where you're normally getting the footage from, yeah? Yeah, but yeah, that does sometimes. But uh, it, because it's local, we just sent a taxi or an, an Uber or something like that, that, that yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's easier, isn't it? If you if your remote grading is not too far away, not not an upload, then that's certainly certainly going to be the best way, the best all round way. And I'm doing sorry, I'm doing stuff for Brazil as well now, uh, uh, a movie, uh, the trailer, and they've sent me stuff that's been shot in Ari, and because it has a good like a, a log a C log log C. So they send me the log C and then I bring it in. I tell it what it is in the management and uh, it comes in good. If there is a problem shot or anything, I can ask for the shot, you know, so it's, or the shots and it will be easier as well. So you don't have to send the whole thing. Gino, uh, for you, you mentioned Frame.io. Is that your main device for sharing your previews with the clients? Do you go look at it in Frame.io? Don't touch your brightness settings. Don't. What do you say to them normally? Because it's the old problem, isn't it? Oh, it looks different here. Yeah, Frame.io. What I recommend is the app, really, an Apple device and the app. That's for me comes. I mean, if I show you, I can't show you now because my phone yeah. is the one that's yeah. coming. But if I put my phone, which is an 11 Pro, yeah, my my monitor, they look. They look so close. I mean, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. But yeah. if I use like an Android device, the browser, like it interprets the, the gamma, I think, incorrectly. Yeah. yeah. Something. Yeah. Yeah. It's I like to the oh, and they say that the Chrome, I think, is the best one to watch it. Yeah, I think I think Chrome for Frame.io's favorite, and I personally recommend iPad Pros, but then don't start mucking around with the settings on them and you can sort of, they're out of the box because most people 
producers, agency, direct, they're not going to be playing around with calibration, nor do they want to, because their argument is, well, the average person's not going to do that. I want my, I normally have the brightness around the middle on them, not right the way up, because they do a lot of nits out of an iPad Pro. So just around the middle and go, that's it, don't leave, but worry about your viewing environment as well, because lots of people sometimes don't, and the screen angle can be an important one to get that right. And you can also put a little bit of uh, five seconds of color bars or something on the beginning. Uh, all that does, it just reminds them that this is a serious thing. You know, they see bars, they go, oh, okay, right. Yeah, maybe I should be, you know, not watching it by a bright window or, you know, a certain amount of colors from one side. That all helps. But you, you've got the same problems that everyone else does in the world. It's, it's not an easy one. We're getting there. I'm doing a movie now, and the, the director of photography had an an, an iPhone, but an, an eight, iPhone 8, a, a pretty old one. And then we got him into Diego's office in Colombia because he's yeah. a Colombian. Yeah. So he went to Diego's office where he has a calibrated monitor and yeah. everything. And, uh, and I said to the guy, please, I want you to look at your phone and then look at the monitor the same shot yes. so you can tell me yes i want to see how you've been looking at this all this time yeah. <laughs> and he said it's it looks off way off it's oh, green oh really oh God, no <laughs> but then i said okay so let's start like this does it look good what you're seeing now and he says yes it looks much better so i'm like oh my god because it can go either way can do yeah it's 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 tricky it's tricky so uh what's next for you mate you you're making some headroads in hdr you're all set up there is is there can you get any higher up your ladder in peru or are you looking to go overseas what would you like to do i'm looking to go overseas really to get more into the netflix shows um into the north, Mexico or the US, I'm really interested in, in those two, really. And uh, yeah, I'm really trying to push stuff here also to see if things come come out with productions for Netflix and stuff like that. I'm starting off with this this one for uh, Discovery Plus now, so I'm happy about that. Starting off this year, good. And, uh, I, and I the. Spanish-speaking Netflix market is busy. I think I mentioned to you before when I was up in Madrid, and there was a, they were doing a lot of work. Spanish-speaking Netflix shows, uh, they just do English subtitles, and they were busy, really busy, turning out these these shows and good quality stuff. Elite was the one that uh, that I was working, well, I wasn't working with. Um, when we went and chatted in Madrid, it was it was great. Yeah, it's Madrid is, a, is Spain is also a good good market, no? Spain. But I what I didn't realize the language was so different though. You know, your Spanish is different to you say your your Argentinian Spanish is your, is your Peruvian different to your. I mean, Colombian and uh, Colombian, Argentinian, we all have a different like accent. Chilean, remember in the class there was a Chilean guy as well. There was, we yeah, yeah, I do remember, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, we all have different accents and we all think we speak, we don't speak strange and <laughs> everyone thinks 
the other's big streams. Um, so that means a, a Spanish Netflix show done in Spain for Spanish market, would that go well in South America? Or that, that's fine, it's just slightly different for people? No, no, I watch Spanish shows here. There's great Spanish shows. Netflix right, okay. Okay, so though it's a, it's a dialect, slight dialect thing that's different, really. Yeah, as long as it's not uh, that in yes. Spanish, Spanish, oh, yeah. it's not the original language, it's it's good, you know, but if it's okay. that in Spanish, it's a bit weird. <laughs> oh, well, that's, wait, I wish you best of luck with that in, in, in the move. Um, there is a lot of work going on, like I said, and certainly Mexico when we were in Colombia, and Colombia was on the up as well with stuff going on. Uh, I certainly think that drama has a little bit more consistency to it. Obviously, commercials is very up and down. And you never quite know from one week to the next what's coming in. But you can get on one of those shows, like a 10, 10, 44 minute, then that's good. That's really good. Uh, especially if they ran a few seasons, that's great bread and butter for, for anyone on those shows, including the colorist. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm re I would really love to do those shows, the Netflix shows. I've seen, I mean, there's lots of shows in Spanish now. Um, before, yeah. I mean, the industry is really, really growing, I think, here. And, and I want to. I would well, like to get into it. Hats off to you because you're not sat there and gone, well, you know, I've got a great reel come knocking. You've gone and bought the gear. You've sat down. You've experimented with HDR. You've got the Dolby certification. You've gone on the training classes. And that's the only way it's going to happen. No one's going to be knocking on your door if you don't put in those hard yards because it is different to great. Apart from the technical side of things and being able to deliver just the actual grading side of things, you need runs on the board, which is what you've done. You've converted some solid things. And if someone comes knocking, it's probably because they found out about you or they've asked someone like me and Kevin and gone, right, who's down in Spanish speaking world is kicking some goals? And we'd, we'd point to you and go, well, this guy's put in the yards. He's bought some, he's doing well. So, I hope that works for you. Hey, thanks, thanks for thanks for letting others know. I mean, I'm I'm really trying to get into HDR and uh, trying to push the market here as well in Peru. But as I say, it's it's still a, a an ongoing market here, and I think that uh, uh, it still has a long way to go. No, and I would like to go into a bigger market and uh, and try and and learn even more no i'm, I'm really keen on learning i really like yeah learning a lot. so that really leads us leads us really nicely you've just really talked yourself up and now i'm going to get you to talk yourself down like have you had any like epic fails in your grading room did you have the the client that storms off and says i'm never working with this guy again or have you had any got any of those stories so so bad that they leave now but i mean i've had I've been told to do stuff on my grades that I really don't enjoy. So, I mean, that's a bit happened to all of us. Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, my God, I need to do, like, like they, there's a director's cut. <laughs> I need to do my colorist, like, color grade of this because, <laughs> I mean, I cannot show this, you know. <laughs> I don't like it because they're, they're like, trying to push the limits. 
and make like windows to correct all these little things here and there and then and they're like this could have been done on set you know i know so, like i know yeah I know like, exactly <laughs> what you're talking about yeah i know it's painful yeah it's really but, painful. But, like force the limits of the image so much that nothing good comes out you know at the end yeah and and what would you say is your highlight? Was it one particular show or was it something that maybe won an award or was it could have been just like a, a student thing that you're really proud of? Well, I was really happy one time that they were going to take the, the, they were going to grade what a commercial in Spain. Yeah. Mm. But the director pushed to grade it with me in Peru. And I didn't know they were they were gonna take it in, to Spain to grade. So then when I finished grading, and the guy was so happy, he said, "Yeah, I knew I knew you would have, you would do this great job and everything, and we 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 did well to leave it here with you." And he was really really proud. So that made me feel really good, you know. And, and yeah, yeah. And, it, and it won for the, the the commercial as well. So I was really happy. Like, well, that's the best. That's the best feeling, isn't it? When you can sort of turn someone around, because a lot of companies they're really they're reluctant to take it, you know, a, a gamble on someone else, or maybe they've not worked, or they need to go to the guy or girl they always go to. And people often ask me, they say, "Well, how do you not only get started, but you get up the ladder?" It is a hard one trying to break up and get more jobs when you haven't got the jobs. You haven't got the experience. How do you get the experience? And so what would you say to younger colorists coming through anywhere, the people who listen to this all around the world, what would you say to them? What, what do they need to do just to try and even get going as a colorist? Just, just, I think that sometimes you have to go with your feelings, no, with the color as well, because it's so subjective that sometimes you like there's nothing right or wrong with color. I mean, there's limits and everything that are yeah. these uh, in the, 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 the limits and everything that is good, but otherwise, it's so diverse that just just do what you feel is, is good and don't, don't be afraid to go knocking on doors, you know, showing your work. Always, because I mean, the worst thing you can do is be afraid of that. You just show show your art, show your 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 artistic intent. Always. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let this is it's a tough time to be doing that during the pandemic. But let's let's think that imagine that's over. I do find some of the younger people today are reluctant to knock on the doors and go. I mean, like, knock on the, like, yeah. for jobs. Now there's not not many productions, but I'm sure that if you start knocking on doors now, when when this activates, yeah. and you move your, I mean, I'm moving a lot my 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 social networks. I'm posting lots of pictures and stuff like that. And sometimes I cannot post the, or I don't take the time to take the little pictures to post it correctly. But I'm gonna start doing that soon. But uh, because I've been really busy, but. Yeah, try and do that. I mean, I, I really enjoy looking at things on the web because there's, there's so many talented people, really. What social media, uh, where do you post? I post in Instagram, YouTube, uh, no, not YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, um, LinkedIn. Those are my three main. 
and who who do you follow in terms of colorists? Is there any that you look at and you go, well, hey, I like I like the style of this person, and I, I sort of like the work they doing. Is there anyone? Yeah, there's there's a couple of people like I like Tom Poole. Yeah. Well, really amazing work. So I mean, there's many many colorists I I admire in. Cool. Walter Valpat, well, he's really great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the color people are good fun people, I think. You know, uh, we've got a, a good vibe going between, and that was obviously shown at the mixer. And uh, can you hear that dreadful noise? Somebody's got a whipper sniffer out next to me. That's someone I trying see. to cut their lawn. Because it's, <laughs> right. it's Saturday lunchtime as we're doing this, and so it's prime time for everyone to be cutting their lawns and whippersnipping their hedge, dogs barking. But, uh, man, this has been a real great chat, and I really want to thank you for coming on, showing us your gear. Uh, where can people find you? you got a website, and you mentioned your social medias, yeah? Yeah, I have a website. Uh, it's on the works at the moment. We, we had one. We put it down, and we're bringing it again soon. It's... Uh, uh, we can put it maybe in the comments or yeah i'll put it in the chat i put it in the chat yeah yeah gamma yeah. post dot e yep and uh, then we have the facebook as well it's gamma post or gino amadori and you can find me yeah you can look me up in google i mean i i think i'm i'm around a bit yeah well that, that's that's good to know man well, well stay safe and uh Good luck. Likewise. Good luck with getting your gig overseas somewhere. Make sure you shout yeah. out and uh, let me know if that happens. And hopefully in 2022, I'll be able to have a real beer with you. Maybe I can go to Australia as well. I mean, Australia is a good market as well. I'm really open for anything. Definitely, Matt. I'll keep looking around. I'll keep looking around. So cheers, buddy. Cheers, mate. It was cheers. a pleasure. See everybody, if anyone wants to know any more about Colour Tour Podcast or Not On Tour Podcast, all previous episodes are available online. So you can go there, icolorist.com. I want to thank all our ICA sponsors for helping to uh, fund this call. And uh, any questions about anything, you can go to our website or find us on social media. Ciao.